Welcome to Better Food Stories, a show that celebrates real food and the people and companies who make it. I'm Audrea Greenhoff, and in this interview series, I'm sitting down with the entrepreneurs behind some of today's newest and most innovative food brands out there to find out what it really takes to make it in this highly competitive space. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Better Food Stories, the podcast that celebrates today's changemakers in the food industry. I am your host, Audrea Greenhoff. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I have one tiny little PSA as we go into our fourth month of this podcast. First, I honestly cannot thank you guys enough for your support. I have heard from so many of you who have had such kind words to say about the show. I've also heard from a lot of really cool food entrepreneurs who are interested in sharing their stories on future episodes. Um, So the short answer is yes, yes, yes. If you want to share your food business story, please get in touch. You can email me at hello at audriagreenhoff.com. And I'll spell that out for you because I know it's a mouthful. That's hello at Audria, A-D-R-I-A, Greenhoff, G-R-E-E-N-H-A-U-F-F dot com. And we can definitely chat more about getting you on a future episode. I also want to remind you that every positive review on this podcast makes such a huge difference for us. So if you haven't already, please head on over to iTunes, search for Better Food Stories, and leave us a positive review if you have been enjoying this show so far. And now on to today's guest. On this episode, I'm chatting with Allison Straka, the CEO and Chief Smoothie Officer of Frozen Garden. Frozen Garden makes frozen, ready-to-blend green smoothies that are handcrafted using 100% whole fruits, vegetables, seeds, and spices. Each pouch makes one 20-ounce smoothie when blended with water. All you need to do is add water and blend. These are super easy um, and a perfect snack or breakfast on the go. So as a health coach, Allison was frustrated of hearing her clients complain that they didn't have time to cook from scratch at home, and there were no healthy and convenient products at the grocery store um, for them. And that's exactly how Frozen Garden was created, to fill the gap in the average American diet with complete nutrient-dense and convenient smoothies that don't use powders, supplements, or gimmicks. In my conversation with Allison, you'll learn how Frozen Garden went from idea to successful business, how Allison and her team are supporting local farms in the Midwest. Dive into the topic of smoothies with you. Um, So why don't we start by telling everyone who you are and what your company Frozen Garden is all about. Sure. I am Allison Straka and I am the founder and chief smoothie officer of Frozen Garden. Uh, We are based out of Valparaiso, Indiana, so a little bit outside of Chicago. Um, What we do is we make frozen, ready-to-blend green smoothies. So they're actually actually frozen packs of fruits, vegetables, seeds, and spices that all you have to do is dump them in a blender, add water, and blend, and you have a complete smoothie. I am a really big fan of smoothies. I have them really often for breakfast, especially on days when, you know, I'm pressed for time or don't really want to get into the kitchen. But I have to admit, it wasn't until I would say maybe a couple of years ago that I kind of really started understanding what 
you should be putting into smoothies to keep you satisfied for a significant amount of time. So talk yeah. to me about the components. What are the components to a healthy smoothie that's actually not going to leave you hungry, you know, 45 minutes later? Sure. Well, all of our smoothies are green smoothies. So what that means is they all start with a base of dark leafy greens. So I first learned about green smoothies 13 years ago when I read a book called Green for Life. And it it talked a lot about how important it was to get dark leafy greens, one of the most nutritious things that you can eat. And it's also one of the most common things missing from the modern American diet. So the first thing is making sure it's just not 100% fruit smoothie. So you want to get in those extra nutrients by adding in vegetables like dark, dark leafy greens or other types of vegetables. So that's kind of the first component for me. Fruits are very nutrient dense. And so fruits are wonderful, lots of vitamins and minerals, definitely good for you. But you want to be careful about some other things you add into it. So when we design our smoothies, they all start with that base of dark leafy greens. They all have a healthy omega-3 fat. So you were talking about things that help you make you feel full and satiated for the day. So all of ours have a healthy omega-3 fat, either from like avocado or like a seed, like hemp seeds or flax seeds or chia seeds. Um, and then all of them need to have some sort of a protein. Um, and that's, you know, that also comes from that healthy omega-3 fat and, and it comes from seeds. So we don't add any processed powders or supplements or any of that kind of gimmicks into our smoothies. We rely on real whole foods. So like our green protein smoothie, which is a big popular one for people that do want to do a meal replacement, even though we don't necessarily advertise our smoothies as meal replacements, they're mm -hmm. more of something to add into your everyday diet. But our green protein smoothie has 13 grams of protein and we get that all from real food. It comes yeah. from pumpkin seeds, hemp seeds, flax seeds, and white beans. Um, yeah. So instead of using you know, processed protein powder, we actually include a bunch of seeds in there to get that protein for you. And that will really help you make, make you feel full for at least a couple hours. Um, you know, not again, not a real meal, meal replacement. You shouldn't be drinking these for every single meal. You do need real food, other right. food. Um, but yeah, that, that's something is about making sure it's balanced, making sure you have that fat in there, making sure you have veggies in addition to the fruits. Tell me about some of your, you mentioned one just now, but tell me some about some of your other recipes. How do you come up with them and how do you source your ingredients? Sure. So the, the recipes, it's actually a lot harder than you think. It's not, and I'm sure you know this as a smoothie drinker, just yes. throwing things in, in a blender sometimes works, but and most sometimes of the time it doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you're like, oh, I have to choke this down. This is terrible. <laughs> So, you know, I experienced that in all my years of smoothie drinking, and I get that. And uh, we also wanted to create some blends that maybe you necessarily couldn't recreate at home, a little unique enough. So we like to play around with spices. Mm -hmm. So almost all of our smoothies have some sort of a spice in it. Um, our Napalicious actually has lavender flower buds in it. Mm -hmm. Our um, Berry Nanorama actually has rosemary in addition to fig and strawberries, um, and uh, banana and kiwi in it. So we, we play around with zest, different um, citrus zest to kind of brighten it up. So if we decide we're going to create a new smoothie flavor, um, it's actually interesting. I usually kind of make a decision of what direction I want to go in. So our two most newest flavors are very veggie and berry nanorama. So we actually had a lot of customers asking for a more veggie-heavy smoothie that had less fruits in it because typically they were diabetic and needed to watch even their naturally occurring sugars. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to create a veggie heavy one. I played around with different types. Well, first is the green, right? You always start with the green. I start playing around with what's the leafy green that I want to use. Can I add other leafy greens into it? Um, can I combine some greens? And then I want to start thinking about what that primary flavor is. And so for very veggie, I wanted the primary flavor to be cucumber. Because to me, cucumber is very bright. It won't necessarily have a deep, heavy flavor into it. So I'll actually start blending the greens with the cucumber. And then I taste that. And then I add in the next layer of flavor. And I see if that complements it, if it improves it or if it brings the flavor down. And so I actually experiment a ton like that with a ton of different ingredients, kind of playing around with what pairs well together. And then ultimately I get closer and closer and closer until then I start having the whole team taste it. (laughs) That's always a fun day. I have just all (laughs) different versions of it. I'm like, this one has dill in it. This one has parsley in it. This one has coriander in it. And everyone starts tasting. And then we get lots of opinions, but usually... Most of us, you know, it starts to kind of head towards one direction and, and people tend to come to like a unanimous decision of this is the right direction. Uh, we all like, for instance, we were thinking about including dill and very veggie and we loved dill, but we decided that the person that was drinking it would have to love dill, otherwise it would not go well. And so that kind of eliminated some people. We didn't want to have too much of a strong flavor of the dill or if someone didn't like dill, then the smoothie wasn't for them. So mm-hmm. we ended up going with parsley which was a little bit of a brighter, fresher flavor um, component to it that it didn't necessarily overwhelm it. Um, so it's actually, it's, it's something that we do that with every single flavor. I knew I wanted to finally create a strawberry flavor. Historically, I had not created strawberry flavors because we source any ingredient that can be grown in the Midwest. We actually source from small local farmers in our area. And you would probably know if you taste an off-season strawberry like bought at the grocery store, it tastes nothing like what an actual in-season local strawberry tastes like. And we rely on the fruits and vegetables themselves for the flavor. So I had not come – we always have – so we source everything locally, but there's a short growing season. So we try to freeze as much of the ingredient as we can to last us the whole year, but we have to have a decent backup in case we run out. And we had a really hard time finding a decent, reliable, good tasting organic strawberry as a backup. And I finally found one, (laughs) finally found a good backup. (laughs) So then I was, I was confident going ahead and making a strawberry flavor. And then that's a really good thing that I did because this year in the Midwest, uh, the strawberry, it, we get really weird weather in the Midwest. So it's really kind of hard to rely on, but it was got really, really hot very early. And then it got cold again and it killed the strawberry crops. So we actually have three different farmers that we source strawberries from and only one farmer was able to even give us strawberries this year. Wow! So yeah, it's kind of tough when you, when you have some of those crops like that. Um, another crop crop that was really rough this year was blueberries. We had again, really weird weather and the blueberries didn't do very well, but we're still, we're, we're pretty lucky. We're still using our local blueberries. Um, we have a great local blueberry supplier. He actually freezes his own crops. So he does some of the freezing for us so we can get blueberries from him in the off season frozen that he had, he had frozen, um, during when his harvest was. So we've been a little lucky in that, but he's probably going to run out before, before the next crop comes around. And normally he doesn't. So we kind of have to play around with that a little bit, but the quality of the ingredients that we get from these farmers just far surpasses anything that we could get commercially or like trucked in from, you know, a lot of the greens come from, from Mexico that Mm -hmm. are sold commercially in stores. 
Um, we have two different spar farmers that grow spinach for us and one farmer that grows a very specific kind of kale for us that actually tastes a little bit sweeter and blends a little bit better in smoothies. So we couldn't even source. It's a dwarf green Siberian kale. We couldn't even source that elsewhere commercially if we wanted to. We, we have to have this farmer grow it for us. So um, that's to us one of the most important things about Frozen Garden is utilizing these local farmers, um, not only for you know the local food movement and supporting the people in your local area and supporting the small local food movement, but for the quality. The quality, just you know, like I said before, can't get it anywhere else. So you have been now um, in business since you said you started the company in 2015. Talk to me about who are your average customers and has that changed between um, the time you started to now? Um, by far, our most common customer is the middle-aged woman. Um, it wasn't something that we necessarily started out to target. I think that I found that, so before Frozen Garden, I actually had started a company called Mindful Nourishment, where I did holistic health coaching. I created um, corporate wellness programs. I did individual coaching. I did corporate group programs. No, I'm sorry, not corporate, just regular group programs. Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, demographic tended to be middle-aged women. I think what happens is a lot of moms, they, they raise their kids, their kids go off to college, they're kind of recent empty nesters, and they finally have the time to look at themselves, and, and, and you kind of realize what happened to yourself when you were focusing on everyone else but yourself over the past 20 years. Yeah. A lot of people put on some extra weight, they're starting to get put on medicine for maybe high blood pressure or cholesterol, and it's kind of a little bit of a wake-up call, and they start wanting to take better care of themselves. So I think that tends to be why the middle-aged women is our, our biggest demographic. A lot of times when we meet with grocery stores, um, they think it's a millennial product. And I have to explain to them that actually it's, it's middle-aged women. It's not necessarily a millennial product. Um, yes, it's you know clean and nutrient-dense and quick and convenient, and that's what millennials look for. But that's what a lot of middle-aged women are looking for, too. They don't necessarily want to do all that work. The thought sure. of, you know, they've been taking care of other people for so long. They want something easy, um, easy and convenient. And so that's what tends to be our, our biggest demographic. Now, I just turned 40 this year, so maybe it's because you know, the frozen garden demographic is a middle-aged woman. But... <laughs> Um, but it's true. I, I've never had health issues my whole life. And then I started to have random small health issues when I turned 40. And I was, at, I was actually at the grocery store checking out um, a little bit before I turned 40. And I got carded because I was buying some wine. And she said, oh, you're turning 40 this month. And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, your health will just go right downhill after you turn 40. Oh, no. I was like, um, thanks. Uh, that's kind of ominous. I and then know. like a month later, I started having strange health issues. Oh my So gosh. there might be something, something to it a little bit. I think it's honestly, I think it's stress that catches up to you. I think I've got young kids. Um, again, it's that thing of women. We're always focusing on everyone else, but ourselves, you know, I'm focusing on the business, focusing on the kids. Um, and then you have to, you have to take time to focus on yourself to keep your health good. Absolutely. That is so true. You did mention a little bit about you being a health coach and this um, business kind of stemming from the interactions that you were having with your clients. Tell me more about that and, you know, what was the need that you saw with your clients and why did you ultimately uh, go the smoothie route? 
Sure. So yeah, so I have been drinking green smoothies every day for 13 years. And when I first started drinking them 13 years ago, I literally started drinking them so I wouldn't feel so guilty about eating a pound of bacon a day. (laughs) I still love bacon. Um, I I was eating them or drinking them just a way to add in some nutrients so that if I didn't eat perfectly the rest of the day, I was like, oh, well, at least I had my smoothie. At least I got all those fruits and vegetables earlier in the day. Sure. So when I became, I got, after I started having kids, I got super into health and what we're putting in our bodies and the modern uh, medical system, all of that stuff I started getting really into and how I wanted to you know, treat my body when I was pregnant, um, how I wanted to give birth, and then how I wanted to you know, raise my kids from a nutrition standpoint. Uh, so that's when I actually went back and got my health coaching certificate um, and started just doing some small things, um, you know, helping some fitness studios with some nutrition programs and, and things like that. And then, yes, the most common thing I heard all the time was, so I I would introduce them, first thing I would introduce people to was green smoothies, because that was the easiest thing that they could do to make an immediate impact on their health. And people loved the green smoothies. I gave them recipes. I used to have demonstrations where I'd show them how to do it. Um, And then I would teach other things about getting back into your kitchen, starting to cook from scratch again, reducing processed foods. And then I would hear the same thing, like, yeah, that sounds great. Love smoothies. I bought all this stuff on Sunday at the grocery store, and then it's all rotten in my fridge at the end of the week because I never had time to make it. Why don't you open a smoothie bar? Because it was a lot of local people, and I was like, I don't want to open a smoothie bar. (laughs) They're like, but that would be so much easier. I would totally just pay for a smoothie. And so I was actually talking to my dad one day. I was visiting my dad, and I was talking to him about this problem, and he said, if you could get your clients to do just one thing to improve their health, what would it be? And I said, we'll drink a green smoothie every day. And he said, well, how do you make that easier and more convenient for them? And so we, we were taking a walk and we started brainstorming. I said, I will I, you know, I freeze all of my ingredients. I freeze my greens. Um, and I use all frozen fruits now because I had gotten divorced and I wasn't going through the giant vat bins of spinach like we used to when we were making smoothies together. Mm-hmm. So I started freezing my greens. I said, well, the greens do freeze. I said, I've been freezing my spinach for a couple of years and started kind of brainstorming. And that day came up with the name frozen garden and decided I was going to make a frozen ready to blend green smoothie. Um, and so that was in the fall of 2015. Started testing and experimenting, playing around with what size did we need to cut the fruits and vegetables to so that you didn't have to have a fancy blender. We did all of our blender testing on a $19 Osterizer blender from Kmart. We didn't want people that have to have, you know, I've had a Vitamix for forever, but not everyone wants to buy a $500 blender. It needs to be a, a, you know, standard blender. So experimented with that. Sold our first smoothie in March of 2016 out of my health coaching offices, out of a little white freezer, and we could not keep up with production. And we're talking small town, Chesterton, Indiana. We could not keep up with what the demand was. And people were coming into our office one day a week and buying them out of our our white freezer. So it kind of validated that there was a need. Uh, that people wanted the convenience, they wanted the, the ease, and they were willing to pay for the convenience. They wanted someone to do the work for them. Um, so that's really kind of how it started. And then, you know, the, the roller coaster up and downs course of a business, you know, we experimented with having a storefront and having people actually come in and you could get a smoothie blended or buy them to go. We experimented with having, um, kiosks, small little stands set up in like the, the YMCA. So with some fitness places, 
ultimately we came down to online sales and wholesale was the best bet to reach the most amount of people um, with our product. And so that's what we really chose to focus on kind of nearing the end of 2017. So we went through about a year and a half of a lot of different experimenting, and then we've been on that path ever since. That's so exciting. Congratulations. It seems like you've had a lot of success in, in a short burst of time, which is super exciting. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's a lot of experience, a lot of trial and error, lots of it. So <laughs> not always the best, but you learn a lot. Definitely. Well, before we switch gears, I do want to talk um, a little bit more um, about you and, and your journey to entrepreneurship, even though you mentioned some of it so far. I did have one more question um, on the smoothie front, since you are the chief smoothie officer of Frozen Garden. <laughs> I wanted to debunk some of the myths out there, especially, like I said, I'm someone who drinks smoothies. I look for recipes online all the time. And I wanted to know, what is your opinion? Like, do you see anything maybe on social media or Pinterest, um, you know, that especially platforms that are very visual, do you see anything that kind of just makes you cringe or is there something that you think a lot of people get wrong when it comes to making a really good smoothie? You know, I think I'm not a big fan of supplements and the powders and the gimmicks. And I think there's a lot of that out there. I mean, the supplement industry is huge. Yeah. I am all about getting your nutrients from real whole foods. I mm -hmm. think that your body knows how to absorb the nutrients from real whole foods and not necessarily these foods that are mimicking foods or, or these powders and people start throwing in all sorts, like the protein powder thing drives me nuts. It's like people yeah. think that you have to throw in protein powder. Since when are we all like muscle bodybuilders having sure. to throw I protein know. powder into everything? I know. Um, you can get protein from real foods. You can get healthy fats from real foods. Um, that's probably my biggest frustration seen on, on social media other than like and this is so terrible, and I, it's probably because I'm just old and crotchety, I don't know, but the, the constant, like, beautiful smoothie pictures where it took them three hours to create yes. this picture, like, I get it, you're, you're going for some visual, you know, visual stuff there, but just drink a smoothie that's going to taste good. Um, yeah, absolutely. Instead of focusing on the imagery. But that, that would be my biggest thing, is you don't have to buy all these crazy supplements and powders and whatever the biggest fad is of the the year um you can just focus on real whole foods right it's it's not a gimmick it's not something that's rocket science it's just uh, fruits vegetables seeds those are the things that our bodies need and are nutrient dense and have all the vitamins and minerals that we do need it i will say one other thing i would suggest is don't make the same smoothie every single day um you know, a lot of people will find that one recipe that they really like and then they use those same things every day to get a wide variety of nutrients you have to mix up the fruits and the vegetables that you're using um, so that's why you want to play around with with different things different seeds different um you know, variety of fruits, different vegetables, play around with, you know, sometimes throwing carrots in there or, you know, carrot tops. <clears throat> what most people don't realize is actually the tops of carrots are more nutrient dense than the carrots themselves. Um, but we always just cut the tops off and throw them away. You could throw those in a smoothie. Um, we used to create what we called slop smoothies, which was just taking all the scraps you could get <laughs> from all these, like, our, you know, strawberries, people cut the tops off of the yeah. strawberries. There's nutrients in those greens that are on top of the strawberries, especially when you blend them up. You can't even tell. You might as well go ahead and get those nutrients. 
Um, so yeah, mixing it up, you know, adding different fruits and vegetables and just avoiding the gimmicks. Anyone that's trying to sell you a quick fix, I think right there should be your clue. There is no quick fix. It's about just, you know, getting back to eating whole foods, real foods. Yes, I love that. And on that note, you know, as a food entrepreneur, you're kind of in the trenches when it comes to seeing what's going on in the industry. So I'm sure that you have noticed, even in the last maybe decade or so, there has been such a shift in the food industry to, you know, things that are more real and using real ingredients and sourcing locally. What makes you excited about today's industry and where do you think that there's still some room to improve? Um, you know, I think it's awesome what's what's going on, that people are finally understanding what real food is. They're finally reading ingredient lists. Um, I think that is a huge step forward. I don't think it's a fad of going back to eating real food. I actually think we're just getting back to the way our grandparents grew up. Mm -hmm. uh, they made all their own food. They they had home gardens. People don't garden anymore. Um, they grew what they could themselves. That's That's kind of what everyone's getting back to, and I think that's awesome. And the food industry in general, I think the one thing that people need to be kind of weary of are – the tags, you know, like gluten-free became this big, huge thing, right? Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have, just because something is gluten-free or just because something is organic does not mean that it's good for you. Um, so it just means it doesn't have gluten in it, or it just means that it was grown without uh, pesticides or fertilizers, but it could still be loaded with sugar. It could still be very highly processed. Um, it's not necessarily whole food. So trying to, to avoid some of those those titles, those labels uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You want to make sure that what you're eating is as whole as possible and as real as possible. Reading ingredient lists, you know, it's very common now. People know if you can't pronounce it, if you can't read it, then it's probably something that you shouldn't be eating. Um, when you start seeing the mainstream brands switching and coming out with cleaner versions of their products, I think that's awesome. That's when you know it's more than just a trend and that even the big giants are changing the way that they make their food. Um, so I think it's here to stay. I think it's people are demanding food transparency. They want to know where their food comes from, uh, not just blindly buying things anymore. That's why it's awesome at these big stores. So we have Meyer here in the Midwest, which is a very large store, and they're real big on local they will say where the, these apples came from and where uh, the grapes came from and, and all that stuff. And that's that's awesome. It's when you start seeing these big guys doing it and not just a Whole Foods, that's when you know that things are changing for, for the for the long haul, long haul. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And it's, you know, one of the reasons why I started this podcast because I, you know, read a lot about food and wellness um, in my own work. And I think that there's so many, especially opportunities for smaller companies that are really coming out and making such an impact um, in the food industry. So I love it. I think it's so exciting. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, there's a lot of brands that started, you know, 10, 15 years ago, small brands that then got bought by larger brands. Mm -hmm. And you kind of saw a lot of stuff on social media of, oh, they're just selling out. Um, I actually disagree because, you know, Lara Bar is a great example, right? Mm -hmm. Lara Bar really didn't start getting into more people's hands until it was bought by a bigger guy and they could afford the marketing, they could afford the commercials to get more people to eat them and to see that, you know, these five ingredient perfect snacks, um, 
I thought it was a good thing for Lara Bar. It got more people aware of it. I don't think that once a smaller company gets bought, sometimes it happens, but not, but not every time. I don't think that the big companies are then then changing the recipe and completely, you know, reverting back to a gimmick. I right. think that they're keeping the brands intact. They're just helping them these brands grow bigger and get into more people's hands. And so it's not always a bad thing. And I think that's good that these larger brands are finding that they can purchase these smaller brands and, and reach more people. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily always a bad thing when that happens. I think it legitimizes the fact of what these small companies are doing. I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, and I love that you said that. And I agree. Because I think, you know, as you mentioned there, it looks like they're starting to notice, you know, and just because they maybe are putting money into a small brand, it doesn't mean they're trying to squash them, you know, and take them over. It's showing that they're listening and, and people want different things and they're recognizing that. So yeah, I love that you said that. Exactly. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about your um, journey into entrepreneurship. You talked about um, how you became a health coach after you had kids. What were you doing before that? And was running your own business something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, so actually my background is in software. I do have a, a bachelor's degree in business from IU, Indiana University. And I've always worked for small startup software companies or just some other small businesses throughout college. I've always loved small business. I loved the fast pace that it runs. I loved that you could do wear so many different hats and actually make a huge impact on a business. Uh, one of the small startups that I worked for I actually got acquired by Microsoft, and I ended up moving out to Seattle and working for Microsoft for about two years, and I struggled in the large company environment. I, I truly felt like what we were doing that took five months at Microsoft would take five days in a startup to do. Yeah. It was just, we moved so much faster, so much quicker. Um, so it was always something that I was had experience with, always wanted to start something on my own eventually. But to be honest, the big trigger for me starting businesses on my own at this point in my life was I had kids and I did not want to go back to working in the city, doing the long commutes, getting home at 7 o'clock at night, and not being involved in my kids' lives. I really wanted to be able to pick my kids up from school every day. Um, and that was the, a big driving factor. I'd gotten divorced, still wanted to be able to be the primary caregiver of my children. And to me then, that meant I had to provide my own flexibility. Now, I probably work way more hours <laughs> in total but I'm able to work those hours when I can. So when my kids are with their dad on the weekends, that's when I get the large majority of my work done so that I can pick them up from school and take them to gymnastics and all the stuff that I get to do as far as being you know, the primary parent. Um, so that was a really big driver on why I pulled the trigger on starting something on my own. But it's definitely something that um, I grew up, my, my dad was real into business and it's big, he owns several companies now and we would play business when we were young. He would bring home the, the little accounting punch cards that they used to use, the old school computers. Yes. And we, would, we would play business. We, it, it was just hilarious. We would, one each, me and my two sisters, each of us would be a different business and you, had, you set up your business and then one would be a bank and one would be a grocery store and one would be this and you'd have to, we'd have to take turns going and visiting their businesses. It's just, we kind of, we grew up playing business. It's I just kind of funny. That. I think it was a little bit ingrained in us from, from a young age. So, but no, they definitely the having the kids and looking 
to be able to provide myself flexibility was the trigger for me. Before we wrap up, I would love to do some rapid fire style questions. Are you up for that? Sure. Okay. So number one, what is your favorite day of the week and why? That's a good question. I'm going to say Wednesday, which is odd. But my kids uh, get early dismissal on Wednesdays. They get out of school at 1.50. And so that's the day where I really get some great one-on-one time with my kids and some really, you know, instead of just doing rushing off and doing the homework and doing the activities and making dinner and going to bed, I actually get to enjoy spending time with them on Wednesdays. So I'm going to say Wednesday. Fantastic. Okay, number two, what is the last TV show or movie that you watched? Um, we watched Big Hero 6 last night. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. I had not seen it. It was super cute. My kids are home for, for Christmas break, so we have just been on this binge of watching as many movies as we can. So it was Big Hero 6 we watched last night. Oh, it was great. Yes, super cute. It's really, really cute. Number three, if you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Bacon, cheese, Ooh. and green smoothies. Oh, I know I know the green smoothies sounds cliche, but I have drank them every day for 13 years for a reason. I, I feel better drinking them, but then I could never give up bacon and cheese. I love bacon and cheese. It's a good balance, I think. It is a balance. It's all about balance. <laughs> love it. Okay, and number four, what's one thing most people would never guess about you? Well, I'm going to say that, you know, I'm not perfect uh, from eating. I mean, my eating is not perfect. For some reason, this is terrible that I'm saying this on a podcast, but <laughs> for some reason last week, I, I have not eaten uh, Frosted Flakes in probably 20 years, and I was craving Frosted Flakes, and by golly, I went and bought a box of Frosted Flakes, and that was the best bowl of cereal I've had <laughs> forever. So no, I'm not perfect. Yes, it's super processed. It has sugar in it. I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. I don't expect people to be perfect. Um, and that's, that's another thing I think about social media that... It makes people think that, you know, people are putting on this persona that their eating is perfect when it's not. And it, so then people feel like they fail if they're not. You don't have to be perfect. Um, so I guess, yeah, I love Frosted Flakes. That's something that people probably wouldn't guess. I love it. My husband is such a fan of cereal. I mean, we don't we don't eat it a lot, but his is, I think his favorite is like Count Chocula or one of those. <laughs> So for his last birthday, with his gift, I wrapped up a box of Count Chocula. I found it. There was, like, one at the bottom of the shelf at the grocery store, like, in the back. And I wrapped it up, and I gave it to him, and he was in heaven. He hadn't had it probably in, like, 15 years, and he, he oh, ate, like, the whole box so in, like, three funny. days. <laughs> it's great. That is so awesome. <laughs> we all have our little things that, like, remind yes. us of our childhood or something. Yes. <laughs> It's okay to splurge every once in a while. <laughs> Definitely. I agree. And before we sign off, where can people learn more about you and Frozen Garden? Sure. You can go to our website at www.thefrozengarden.com. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you want to check out more interviews in the Better Food Stories series, you can follow me at Audrea Greenhoff on Medium or visit audreagreenhoff.com. I'm also Audrea Greenhoff on Twitter and Instagram.